Hi, this is Andy Mutlowski from Orchestral Movies in the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, author Jonathan Bernstein, co-author of Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that define the 1980s, explains why some of the biggest names of the new wave era are in the book, and some of them aren't. Now, Nick Kershaw was a was a non-responder, but I mean there were there were there were a few no's. I mean the big the you know the, the most annoying no. I'm not even blaming them. Was find out who turned down the authors for an interview coming up in just a little bit. We have the hottest record in the world tonight from Lights. But first, as always, fake news. <laughs> And now, fake news with me. As the 2016 presidential campaign looms, many in the GOP are trying to get that party to reposition itself. Many frontrunners for the party's nomination have made statements urging members to reconsider some positions. Said Jeb Bush, the GOP can't be a party of the 21st century while appealing to a 20th century electorate. And then corrected himself and said, I mean an 18th century electorate. Marshawn Lynch didn't want to go to the White House. He also doesn't want to talk to reporters, so it really isn't a stretch to imagine that he doesn't want anyone near his car. As simple as that. The running back for the Super Bowl champion Seattle Seahawks was recently spotted in Oakland, California, where he employed a unique way to protect his pricey Lamborghini. Velvet ropes, which he placed around the Aventador LP700-4 Roadster. Confusion ensued later when the bouncer he brought along failed to recognize him and would not let him into his own car. Big changes are coming for Kaylee Cuoco's Penny on The Big Bang Theory's eighth season, when Penny decided she didn't want to be famous and have a big career in order to be happy after she was canned from a B-movie. Penny will continue to make what she called a smart decision for her career in the upcoming season of the CBS hit comedy. Changes are also in store for Two Broke Girls, as both characters get jobs on a funny sitcom. Senator Rand Paul is proposing legislation aimed at eliminating criminal sentencing rules that adversely impact minorities, saying that we need some fresh ideas to combat old and festering problems. The Republican from Kentucky described the measure Friday in his speech to the National Urban League in Cincinnati. It's part of his aggressive outreach effort to African Americans and other voting groups who don't traditionally vote Republican. Paul added, so in exchange for that, are you cool with white folks denying you access to their businesses? Or, we're cool? All right. Police in Maryland arrested a 28-year-old man one day after cops say he taunted them on Facebook. Roger Ray Ireland was profiled in the Anne Arundel County Police Department's Hashtag Wanted Wednesday feature on July 23rd on Facebook. Ireland of Edgewater, Maryland commented on the social media thread, Can't Catch Me, followed by, Like and share if you agree the cops can't catch me. Emerald Queen Casino will cancel two Ted Nugent concerts that were scheduled for August 2nd and 3rd, citing racist remarks made by the singer. The Washington Tribe's action comes days after the Coeur d'Alene Tribe canceled Nugent's August 4th shows at its Idaho casino because of the rockers' racist and hate-filled remarks. Nugent in a statement said it was just as well because the casino's 21 and over policy would have made it difficult for him to hit on underage girls. And finally, the engine of a Russian Photon M4 satellite with several experiments on board has stopped responding to ground control. The five geckos that are on board are in space for a study on the effect of weightlessness on their sex lives and development. The Russian space agency Rockosmos said that the six-ton satellite would continue to orbit on its own for a long time and that the geckos are, of course, well-insured. And that's been Fake News with me. Hey, folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want...
Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round, unique fashions for guys and gals. Right, it's time for me to do a terrible Australian accent, do an impression of Zane Lowe, and bring you this. It's been a week, it's Wednesday night, y'all. P.F. And it's about 7.30 p.m. and my man. P.F. Is about to put on the hottest show in the world. world. The hottest record in the world tonight is from Lights. Good friend of the show. This is a brand new single. Up we go. Brand new album is due out in September. Single is available now everywhere. Greetings to everyone checking in from across North America and around the world. USA, Canada, Germany, Denmark, Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, UAE. Glad to have you aboard tonight listening to PST Percorder and listening to the hottest record of the world, Lights, and Up We Go. Lights fans loving this trick. She'll be touring around the world, North America, Europe, coming this fall. We'll have her on the show. Everyone here is ready to go 
Now we go to the beginning view with Jonathan Bernstein right now. As many of you know, I'm a new wave daddy from way back, and if you didn't know that already, well, now you do. So, of course, I was very excited to see this book come out, Mad World, an Oral History of New Wave Artists and Songs that Defined the 1980s by Lori Majewski and Jonathan Bernstein. And we have Jonathan Bernstein with us to discuss this book, and here's our interview with him right now. Okay, joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it is Jonathan Bernstein, co-author of Mad World, an oral history of new wave artists and songs that defined the 1980s. And uh, with my old man eyes, I can't see your, uh, I don't want to screw up your co-author's name. What is her name? Her name is Laurie Majewski. I was right. Okay, cool. I was going to guess, but I couldn't see in this poor lighting here in my den. Okay. So, you know, when I first heard about this book, uh, it was uh, in a tweet from Pat Francis of the Rock Solid podcast. He said, the PF right. is going to love this. And then uh, I was so excited to get it. My wife ordered it for me. And then I thought, oh, no, I'm probably going to have a lot of problems with this book, <laughs> being a new wave daddy from way back. But um, I did not, surprisingly. Because, oh. um, well, yeah, you guys explained right at the beginning how you constructed the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more it's more like a it's, – it's, we had we had this we had this kind of argument between my, myself and my co-author that she kind of saw the book as this kind of author this kind of you know a, kind of definitive authoritative thing that would get its own floor in the Smithsonian Institute, and I just wanted I wanted like a funny little book that was like a series of snapshots, and I think that's what we got because you know people have taken issue like you know whereas Culture Club as as if we forgot yeah, well I know you know, I mean po- possibly your favorite groups aren't there. Possibly, possibly our favorite groups won't be your favorite groups. But yeah. you know, it was a, it was a it was a kind of a fast motion time. There was so much stuff happening. There was a new you know you know there was a new trend every week. There was a new band every week. So we, we just we just wanted to do this kind of grab bag of like here's some of the biggest groups. Here's some of the one hit wonders. Here's some stuff that only we like. Here's some stuff that you might not even understand why it's in the book, but we like it. So so you know I mean, with two people. Both of whom have strong views, you know. We 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 bear we barely reached a compromise. So I know what you're saying when you're like, I, you know, I thought I was going to take issue with this. Yeah. Because obviously, even, even myself, you know, I I can imagine if I was just coming across this in a you know on a in a bookshelf, I'd be like, you know, where's Haircut 100 and stuff. Right. But you know, in in 300 in in how many pages? 350 pages, however long it is, you know, I think we gave you a good cross section of that era. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think two things also, um, I know like the New Order for a chapter, for example, as I recall, neither of you would pick Blue Monday as your favorite New Order song, but it is arguably the most important New Order song you know, right, to right. lay people and to people. Yeah, so that made sense. And then also, I guess you said some people did not, uh, were not as, uh, I guess, cooperative. Uh, one Mr. Nick Kershaw, uh, for example, he, he did, you, wasn't he um, lined up and you, but you couldn't get a hold of him? No, no. Nick Kershaw was a was a non-responder actually, huh. but I mean there were there were a few uh, there were a few no's. I mean the big the you know the the most annoying no. I'm not even blaming them. Was Bananarama? We oh just yeah, yeah. We just could not get past their person. Right. He ignored like the first three or four emails we sent him, 
And then it was like, I'm turning down way more than I'm accepting for them. You know, Bananarama's heavy schedule. And then it was like, <laughs> set, then it was like email me a few questions. Yeah. You know, there was not, not one person did not was not happy to do it, either by Skype or by phone or in person. Yeah. But, but Bananarama were like, email me the questions. So ultimately that didn't happen. But hmm. the three that really stung that we didn't get were Pet Shop Boys, which I understand they don't see themselves as, a, you know, as an 80s group. No, they don't. You know, and Scritti Politti, who are a favorite of mine, and you know, Green's like a you know a taciturn guy. So I kind of, I kind of get that. And Japan, it's the same. You know, David Sylvian just you know wasn't wasn't up to wasn't really up to it. But other than that, you know, we could have got Culture Club Club had we hung on, but it was just it was a deadline thing. You know, we were going. You know, we just didn't have any more time to wait. And it was the same with Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, you know. Oh, yeah. We set up the interview. It didn't happen. We rescheduled it. But again, we just didn't have time to wait. So, I mean, yeah, there were, you know, there were the the Nick Kershaws and the Wang Chungs that we tried and didn't get back to us. But, you know, other than the three I mentioned, we pretty much got everyone that we really wanted, I think. Yeah, that's uh, strange, too, because, um, you know, a lot of these bands are still touring uh, in in kind of these retro uh, tours and don't necessarily, like Human League, you know, I interviewed them a couple of years ago as part of a uh, what? Of retro what? Tours. He did? Yeah, Phil Oki. Yeah, I talked to him from his studio in Sheffield. Don't mean to brag, but uh, yeah, sweet as, could, sweet as could be. Yeah, it was yeah. real nice. And I talked to Joanne Catherell back in 96 when they had Octopus out. They pulled her out of yeah. a radio interview, and I chatted with her, lovely woman. And uh, yeah, they're very nice. Well, again, that's, it's, it's funny you say that because, they're again, their person who we dealt with was just like, oh, no, they just, no, they just don't want to do it. But then, you know, we, mm. we talked to Martin Ware of Heaven 17. Yes. And, you know, who identified as, as you know, me and, me and Phil were best friends growing up. Yep. And, you know, after the interview, which went very well, I was saying, you know, if, you know, if I could pass on a request for you to Phil Oakey, and he was like, you know, Phil's a weird guy. You know, mm. we're still friends, and I don't even have his phone number. <laughs> It's funny. Um, I know a lot of people did, or at least uh, April Richardson over at Rock Solid, the exact same thing that I did, and I suspect a lot of people will do, is they went to their band first, if they were on the list of 30, right, six, right. and then went to the front. So I started with OMD, and then went to the front of the book. And um, I, I guess it was interesting uh, observation. I'd never heard of the OMD Phase 1, Phase 2 thing, although it makes a lot of sense. I guess I was a Phase 2 guy only because their record label uh, from uh, the first album through Dazzle Ships, uh, the first four albums, was Epic, CBS, gave them absolutely no support. Their videos were never on. I, know, I didn't know who they were until I got to college, and they had released Junk Culture. But um, I like the whole catalog, so I don't, you know, I guess I'm more like your co-author. I'm more retroactively a Phase 1 person, but I guess just by <laughs> default. Well, see, that's the, that's, the, that's the kind of chemistry you get when you have, like, a, a Scottish guy of a certain age and, and an Amer- American woman of a certain age. You know, I was brought up in the British music press. She was brought oh, yeah. up in MTV. So, you know, even though we have kind of similar tastes, you know, the, the way, you know, our way, our way ins were, were, you know, were very different. So, you know, I was, I was OMD from Electricity yep. on, on Factory Records up to Dazzle Ships, up to the, the, the challenging Dazzle Ships. And then, you know, when they kind of changed direction and went all out for the for the big commercial hits, that's, you know, that's when I kind of lost interest a little bit. Yeah. And, of course, that's when she jumped on board. Yeah, and even and talking to Adam McCluskey, he's famously said in interviews that, you know, we started to write songs more conventionally. But I would argue that still, those are way better songs than your average song. <laughs> you know, all the junk culture and crush and even the Pacific Age, I... Yeah. I still wholeheartedly enjoy the entire catalog. You know, you know, in, in retrospect, because obviously, you know, at that the time, 
when you know when I was like a like a teens late teens you're so snobbish about that stuff you know like you're just like no don't like it anymore and now I'm like yeah it's it's, it's pretty good it's, it's not you know I was just I'm listening with different ears now obviously yeah. as, you, as you do when you get older yeah now my friend Brian is from you're from Glasgow right yes yep okay and now correct my geography I should know this I'm embarrassed I don't Glasgow is to the east and Edinburgh is to the west or vice versa. <laughs> well, you're so so asking the wrong person. My sense of geography is appalling. Okay, uh, they're, well, they're both they're both in central Scotland. Right. Okay. Well, my buddy uh, Brian is from Scotland, but he's from. If you go north from both of those cities and then cross over, he's like between the two cities, but north. He's from a small coal mining town of the name of which I can't recall. But okay. um, yeah, we kind of had a similar upbringing in that we both liked old music first. Him the fifties, me the sixties, and then we got into right. the new wave thing. But he, um, unlike you, when you were uh, uh, saying in the book that you know uh, people in Scotland kind of turn on their own, he was always very supportive of Scottish acts like the Bluebells and Simple Minds. Even though his favorite group is the Alarm, who are from Wales. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's uh, it, it, is that really a countrywide thing where you kind of turn on your countrymen, or did I misread that? It is. It, it, it's more. It's more when they become successful. There's a you know, there's a you know, obviously now with the with the big devolution debate whether Scotland will, will separate from England. You know, there's a very 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 strong kind of chauvinistic patriotism going on there, and that you know, and that's similar in music that you know people are very 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 supportive of local acts when they're local acts. You know, when they're you know the group I can go and see around the corner. When like you know nobody likes them but me, but as soon as they see national success, as soon as other people like them, that's when that kind of Scottish bloody mindedness sets in. That's uh, when like nah, they're no good now. You should have seen <laughs> them back when they, you know, there was five people in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, I agree with Jeremy Hardy. I think Scotland should leave, and then English should turn around and join them. <laughs> Who knows? It's just around the corner. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me go down the list here. Uh, the animation chapter I really enjoyed because I've always said animation are my favorite, and this is a term I did not invent. A guy who worked with in radio invented, I believe, called a record company band. And yeah. for a long time, I thought maybe I was wrong about that, but your trap, your chapter proved I was exactly right. <laughs> they were indeed a record company band, and. Um, Although I do think they did, and it seems Bill Wadhams is saying that they they brought a lot to the table in uh, obsession. They didn't. They weren't told how to do it. They had suggestions for what they wanted to do and did it. And I would think arguably came up with a better version of the song. But um, wow, what what a great tale that was! Oh my God, I was I was kind of shocked because Laurie did the interview there, and you know when it came in, I was like, boy, this is, boy, this is this is kind of sad. And then it just got sadder and oh, sadder. I know. It's yeah. Like, no control whatsoever. Nope. And it's it's interesting. The reason we put it almost at the very end was, you know, we started with Adam and the Ants, who are like a, you know, uh, and one one of them, Marco Peroni says, you know, nobody, no record company guy ever told them what to do. No, you know, nobody uh, ever heard demos. They oh just yeah, took yeah. Their stuff in. And there's such a difference between how it was at the start of the '80s with groups like Adam and the Ants, you know, like Dexys Midnight Runners, like the Human League. And how it ended up with stuff like Animotion, who are basically just told what to record, you know, and you know had had members kicked out. Yep, it was so funny because by the time they got to that third album, uh, this is when I was in radio with a guy that coined that term. Uh, right. They were down to the only original member was the drummer Frenchie O'Brien, and everybody else was completely different. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny because you know we. we we use a term in that chapter, "last gasp, new wave." Yeah, and that's that's very much what it was. It was just the, it was just you know it was before hair metal came in. Yeah, it was before it was before kind of the Paula Abdul, New Kids in the Block era. So it was just that last like year or so 
when, you know, when, when bands could still kind of cling to being called New Wave just before it was all over. Yeah, and that was like start where, when Pet Shop Boys kind of started and took a foothold. And then I think that music came became known as postmodern was the is the term attached to it. I don't know if you remember that or not. That was yeah, the big yeah, term yeah, here. And that, yeah, and then that kind of, kind of moved to college rock. Right, exactly. Yeah. So uh, another one thing I found fascinating was what did Mike Score do to piss people off in the 80s? He is the nicest guy and t- simple minds and tears for fears shit all over him. And I would say totally unnecessarily. Again, it was just it was one of, it was one, of these, one of these things I said in my introduction to the chapter. You know, it was just like there's always there's always gonna be a genre of music where you know the person someone will become very successful and everyone else will be like, don't judge us by that. You know, like that. You know, back back in the Vanilla Ice days, it was like, okay, if you like rap, just don't judge it by that. And it was the same. It was the same with British New Wave because you know they were one of the first first groups who weren't successful in Britain become successful in America. Yep. So every British group who had to come over to America and, you know, and, and say, oh, you're a new wave, like a flock of seagulls. It's like, no, don't judge us <laughs> by that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, funny because a couple episodes ago, I laid out my case and quoted uh, from your book, uh, Tears, <laughs> Kurt Smith and um, uh, Jim Kerr talking about, you know, oh, at least we weren't a flock of seagulls. And I laid out the case that, well, you know, in America, they're almost as successful as you are. So <laughs> shut your trap. Um <laughs> It's it's just you know it, unfortunately for them the name and the hair just became the hair the hair really stuck with them yeah and I said you could assemble and that people have a very nice dozen songs from a flock of seagulls I know a, a lot of which would like a third of which would come from the debut but still <laughs> but still that's tw- they have twelve good songs at least you know I I ain't mad at a flock of seagulls all right um <laughs> the other thing I found and I, I I wasn't unexpected but I was surprised. I would like to go through and actually count the number of bands who did this. I think just about everybody mentioned David Bowie as an influence. And I realized he was a big influence. I did not realize, because I know my bands, were influ- like OMD always mentioned him as an yeah. influence. But I didn't realize every single person in this book, I think, said, we listened to Bowie. One of the things we listened to. And I thought, that's amazing. Yeah, well, we, we obviously very, very deliberately pushed them in, in that direction because, you know, our, our theory was obviously that Bowie was the Beatles of the 80s. And it's not just that. It seemed to me, you know, as a, as a child growing up in the 70s, that there were two big events in, you know, British pop culture. And one was David Bowie going on top of the pops in 1972, performing Starman and then Punk. And it seemed to me that everybody who, everybody who was in this book got into music by seeing Starman and then they get motivated to make music by punk and then they got the hell out of punk as fast as possible and went back to Bowie. Ah. Now, um, the, the term new wave, you said, like Daniel Miller of Mute Records famously didn't like and even you oh, really weren't that thrilled with it. I, I hate it. You know, it's, it's just one of these things. It's just, it's, it's just for consumer awareness, more or less. You know, yeah, we, just yeah. had to, we just had to have something to, to kind of, as a kind of umbrella, so, you know, a big tent to put all these things in because it wasn't really it wasn't it wasn't post punk and it wasn't all synth punk and it, punk, yeah. and it wasn't all industrial and it wasn't all ska so you know we just we we had to stick stick with that label yeah. and you know books the books coming out in Britain in September and already people are saying to me why is this say new wave on it because obviously new wave means something very different there oh okay new, new wave is this term that that you know DJs and journalists would use if they didn't want to say punk you know, if they yeah. wants to Ooh. play like a, if they wants to play like a, um, play like a jam or a Boomtown Rats record or whatever during the daytime, you know, they would they would call it new wave rather than punk because you know punk had an unfortunate association at the time. Yeah, you led me to my next question. Do you remember Claude Bessie? Does that name ring a bell? 
yeah, yeah. He was a re- was it record company guy. Was he sl- sort uh, of? He was, he was a, a Frenchman who ran a fanzine in Los Angeles in the early '80s, and he was in a punk band called uh, Catholic Discipline. And he's oh. in the first decline of Western civilization, the punk one. Right, right, right. right. And he has this great quote, which I'm half French, so I'm allowed to do a horrible French accent. And he says, <laughs> looks at the camera and goes, I have good news for everyone. There is no such thing as new wave. It is a term used by lame cunts who don't like the boring <laughs> rock and roll, but don't want to say they are punk because they throw out to the party and won't give you no more kick. <laughs> which is like the greatest quote ever. That, and, that's, uh, that's exactly correct. You yeah, know, yeah. It, you know, I mean, we, we even put, in the original introduction to the book, we put in it was a pussy term, you know, used by journalists, and you know, our our editor was a bit timorous, and he was just like, "Can you take? Can I don't want pussy to be the first line people see in the book. Can you take it out?" <laughs> but but, the, but the, you know, the, the sentiment is exactly correct. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, I am perfectly comfortable with the term "new wave" because people know what it means. Like, but like you said, I guess more of a a North American thing. I guess, I guess in Europe, because a lot of these songs, um, I would say most of them were hits in in the UK and Europe. Yeah. Yeah, although I guess a lot of them were here, too, except from the, one of the ones you picked. But I these people also had other songs that were successful in Europe or maybe they didn't uh, didn't hear. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, Dexy, Dexy's Midnight Runners is the prime example of oh, that yeah. because they're, pre- they're pretty much only known for Come On Island here. But obviously in the UK and Europe, you know, there were, there were like three different groups. You know, there was the group in the early 80s who were like a straight up, you know, like Stax revival band. And then then they brought in like the fiddles and the banjos. And then you know, then they turned into this this almost like you know Van Morrison kind of elegiac um, kind of kind of lo- they had this album Don't Stand Me Down with these like long mournful songs with lots of dialogue on them. Um, so I understand there's going to be a um, wait. Be, does somebody need me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'll be done in a few minutes. Okay. Um, anyway, um, I I understand from listening to your interview on Rock Solid, there may be a a part two. We're ho- we're hoping, yeah. I mean, we don't want to we don't want to cannibalize um, the sales of this one because it's you know it's well, yeah. motoring along quite nicely. Oh yeah, just now. So we're, you know we're still we're doing what we can to promote it. But I mean, yeah, obviously, like we said in the introduction, you know, we ended up picking like 35, 36 songs, but there's easily another thirty five we could have we you know we could have put in it, and we probably wouldn't have to look hard to find like another thirty five after that. What about more like the uh, Los Angeles scene? Your Go Go's, your Oingo Boingo's, yeah. Folks like that were they in yeah. the again? Go Go's was a maybe for us. It was just one of these things that you know. When the Go Go story is fairly well known, so did we want to do that, or do we want to do something that's maybe not that well known? That's true. Yeah, and they're hard to get a hold of too. By the way, you might yeah, have... I would I would think that because yeah, obviously you know I mean there's ninety five percent of this book is is kind of British, so you know for our next book we probably would you know. Gogos, cars, Blondie, oh, you know, cars, a lot, a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. we didn't have, we didn't put in this time. There you go. So, what was uh, omitted that you really had a hard time making the cut on? Because I know you said you kind of. We had to at one point. We, you know, late in the edit, we found okay, you have to lose eight thousand words, and Whoa. so uh, so the Paul Young chapter went. The general oh, public man. chapter. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, sadly, um, and and then there there were two. When we were talking about the, how elastic the new wave term is, uh, Laurie interviewed Rick Springfield about Jessie's Girl because it was a favorite song of hers. And I was like, Rick Springfield is not new wave under any definition of the term. Yeah, I got to uh, go along she, with you there. Yeah, and she mounted this like incredible, <laughs> insane defense that went on for like six days. And I was like, fine, well, fine. I, just, I, couldn't, I could not listen to her defend Rick Springfield anymore. 
Well, but then when it came to lose 8,000 words, it went straight down the toilet. There you go. And well, there, was one, there was one other that really hurts. One of my favorite albums ever is A Secret Wish by Propaganda. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, just, you know, I, found, I found the singer's name on a website, um, got her on the phone, talked talk to her for a while. And it was an okay interview. I mean, I, I kind of Chris Barley showed it a little bit. I was like, remember when you did this? Remember when you did this? <laughs> so so it, wasn't, it wasn't like one of our great interviews or anything. But again, you know, when we, when we had to cut for space, you know, that, that went too, which was kind of painful to me. Mm, yeah, she's married to uh, Paul Humphreys now of OMD. Uh, yeah, yeah, Cla- that's correct. Yeah, that's kind of a new, new, new wave romance story. There you go. And what about Madness? Uh, that was another. That was another request that just went out into the ether. Uh, oh, uh, you know, I love madness. Uh, again, if this is the book too, you know, I'll, I will go straight straight back to that because, like, like we're saying, that's another group who had one hit here. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but but you know, but but back in the UK, you know, it's, it's what is it like twenty, thirty hits? You know, more oh, hits something like that. Yeah, crazy. Some crazy amount of uh, a top yeah. top forty hits. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say that when you were talking about Dexies, and I, that I, it made me think. Oh, I think Madness. I think fits that bill even more. Having uh, yeah, I mean, there are there are a lot of groups like that. Dexies, Madness, the Jam slash the Style jam, Council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we just uh, Style Council just came up. We were we were at a uh, music festival this past weekend oh, yeah? uh, here, and uh, we saw Fits in the Tantrums, who are from Los Angeles, and they were right. on stage, and I'm like. This looks like the Style Council. You have a black girl doing co-vocals with a white guy, a guy playing a saxophone, a guy playing not not like techno-y keyboards, but more of a Hammond organ-y kind of keyboard. I'm like, this is Style Council. Although it didn't quite, it sounded more, it more like if the Style Council tried to sound like the jam, I think. But it's right. really good. Yeah, they're, they're good. Well, who do you listen to these days? Do you listen to like new stuff? Uh, yeah, 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 I do a lot. I mean, you know, as the, as the, as the 80s progressed, like, you know, I kind of moved, Move more to kind of hip hop and R and B, you and know, these 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 days it's tougher. You know, it's just you just you get to a point where, and it's just one of these these weird age things where everything you hear, the first thing you think is, well, this sounds like. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but um, I am a still a big listener of Radio One, which uh, I'm a lifelong listener of World Service, and I didn't realize till about five years ago that oh, you can listen to Radio One on the internet. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I get a lot of new music that way. So, and I don't want to get tired of like my '80s stuff. I don't want to wear it out. So I got in people like the Vaccines and uh, the Orwells, who are from Chicago, and uh, we like Vampire Weekend a lot. So it's uh, right. And obviously, I, you know, I really like churches from my hometown. I love Boston. churches. Oh my God, we're seeing them in September. I'm so excited. They're great. And there's actually, there's a, band, there's a band from Los Angeles called Kitten, who I think wear their '80s influences very well. Oh, okay, cool. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, um, Mother We Share by Churches is my favorite song of last year. Oh, such such, such a great song, yeah. Oh, I know, right? Cool. Well, all right, man, this has been a lot of fun. And, yeah, um, me too. Hopefully this will work well for you in Britain. Now, I'm now concerned, too, that you had to call it a new wave over in Britain. and that, But we'll try to see if we can get that over the hump. We have some listeners over in uh, in Europe. Okay, well, ask them to accept my apologies. We'll get them. We'll get them past that. Preemptively. All right, cool, man. Well, great talking to you, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. And and I'm still hoping for a uh, a volume two, maybe in a couple of years, once uh, sales of this have slowed down. Fingers crossed. All right, thanks, man. Thank you. Bye bye.
Thanks again to Jonathan Bernstein for being on the show, and thanks to Flock of Singles there for playing us out of the interview with Space Age Love Song. Probably uh, their best song, that or Wishing. Uh, you decide. Okay, so uh, I'm going to play you out with another song that uh, we discussed uh, by a group that will hopefully be in the next installment of Mad World. That, of course, would be Madness. I'll get to that in just a second. I wanted to let you folks know that if you just joined us for this episode, as I like to say, uh, feel free to go back and cherry-pick the uh, other episodes. We uh, have musicians on a lot. We usually have comedians. We do dumb bits and the fake news, as you've heard, and all that fun stuff. So uh, please do join us. Go back and, you know, uh, dig some other episodes. There's like over 150, so I'm sure you'll find something that you enjoy back there or some you enjoy hearing about. Okay, so um, we're going to continue with the music episodes here to get those all cleaned out. On next week's show, it is your favorite band, this time with Jimmy Pardo discussing the band Chicago. Yes, and uh, I believe Jonathan Bernstein was discussing Gene Loves Jezebel. He and I were discussing them, and as it turns out, uh, Jimmy Pardo has an interesting story about Gene Loves Jezebel. Ha, there you go. So... Uh, so tune in for that next week or download that in however we say it in the podcasting business. Uh, okay, so getting back to uh, Madness here, I'm going to skip the credits. If you want to hear the credits, go back to a previous episode. They're not that important. I-, I do this. I get some help from a couple of nice people, and uh, you can find out who all those folks are uh, in another episode. But I was going to say, uh, Madness we discussed in the interview with Jonathan, and I guess they weren't really uh, cooperative as far as being in the book, and maybe they'll change their mind, maybe be one of those artists that, you know, see how, how great this book is, and uh, they'll be involved in volume two and uh they too like dexie's midnight runners known as a one hit wonder here in america although that's not 100 percent accurate if you're going by top 10 hits then yes that's true but they had um it must be love i think got into the 30s which was a cover of a song by a guy named lobby cypher and then they also are known for one step beyond which i guess in the 90s kind of took on new life as a uh, one of those stadium rock arena anthems but anyway this is a great song by madness uh this is called house of fun i uh, hope you enjoy it so long and thanks for listening Not a junk shop, party heads, 